0: Podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. The first Sunday of each month, uh, we, the elders, take turns rotating through, uh, and we're going through the book of 1 Timothy. And so As my lot would have it this morning, I am in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we will be going uh, through verses 8 through 13, Lord willing. Um, But before I get there, uh, I want to just have a word of prayer. Lord, we give you this time, Father, I pray that you would take the thoughts and the things that you've put in my heart and helped me to be able to make them plain, to make them understandable, Lord, and that most of all your Holy Spirit would touch each of our hearts to hear what you would have to say to us this morning. Lord, we ask for your presence here as we look at your word, and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So before I get into our text this morning, I want to say something. I'm gonna gonna give you a little background here from me, uh, just to kind of help you understand where I'm coming from on this. So when I was uh, about to go into seventh grade, a new Christian school opened in our area. And my last day of sixth grade at the public school, uh, they sent us to the junior high school to experience what next year was going to be like, and to just kind of get a feel for it, and my day was a disaster. Every class I went to, they told me, oh, you're not supposed to be here, you're supposed to be elsewhere. Um, They couldn't figure out which locker I was supposed to have assigned to me, and so on and so on. Anyway, because of that, probably to some degree, but also because my parents were strong Christians, we decided that I would go to the Christian school. And so I did, seventh through 12th grade, I did. Now the reason I bring this up is because I also grew up, I grew up uh, attending church. I used to, back then I could joke and say, the only Sunday I ever missed was the one I was born on because I was born on a Sunday morning. And after that, we were in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, etc. But the church I went to was a Pentecostal church, and this school that they signed me up for was a fundamental Baptist school. And so if you any of you know anything about those two denominations, they are about this close together, <laughs> kind of like Jesus said as far as the east is from the west. Uh, so I got on Sundays the Pentecostal side, and I got Monday through Friday the fundamental Baptist side of things. And so... I say all that to say that this passage in 1 Timothy verses 8 through 12 or 13 has many opinions about what this means, and it has some who are more adamant about their side than others on both sides of the aisle. Uh, Not that this has anything to do with the fundamental Baptists or the Pentecostals, uh, it's just that As the translators went to translate this passage, they weren't completely clear on some things. And so, if you, it depends on the translation you have, the commentaries you have, the dictionaries you have, you may get one opinion in one and a totally different opinion in another. And so, my point to all of that is you need to be in your Bibles. You need to be praying and asking the Holy Spirit. You know, John tells us that the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. And so as you read and study your Bible and as you pray, God will reveal himself to you. And so this morning, you're going to kind of get probably from me something that's kind of more in the middle. Uh, some of you may lean more to one side or the other. But let's go ahead and move to our text then. First Timothy chapter 3. And I am reading, uh, as my Bible happens to be here, from the uh, New American Standard Bible this morning. Deacons in like manner must be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding to the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved then let them serve as deacons if they be blameless women in like manner must be grave not slanderers temperate faithful in all things let deacons be husbands of one wife ruling their children and their own houses well for they that have served well as deacons gain to themselves a good understanding or a good standing I'm sorry a good standing and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So like I said, that may or may 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 or may not match up with what you have in your Bible. That's what this version has. So Gene, if you will, oh, he's already gone there. You will see here, there are four underlined and bolded words there. And that's where deacons appear. So in an effort to better understand what is a deacon... Um, I decided to look into that a little bit. And so these four words are the four places there's a Greek word that is translated deacon in this passage. However, verse 8 and verse 12 are a Greek word, and verse 10 and verse 13 are a different Greek word. So even though all four of them say deacon, there's actually two different Greek words there. So let's go on. Uh, Jean, to the next slide. Okay, this is the first word. So in, in 8 and, and in 10, uh, this is the word that we have. This is out of the Strong's Concordance. Uh, and the word is diakonos. And it simply means to be an attendant. Now, as you can see, uh, Mr. Strong, when he wrote his concordance, has lots of little things in there like The root of this word is probably from an obsolete word, uh, dioko, or I'm not, I don't speak Greek, so I'm sorry about that. Um, And then he gives, for example, a waiter at a table, could be a teacher, pastor. uh, The technical is deacon or deaconess. And then King James translated it as deacon, minister, and servant, depending on where it was used. So this is... uh, New Testament 1249 in the Strong's Concordance, diakonos, and that is the first where we see in verse 8 there, deacons, uh, be, that's that word, and then in 10, these men must also first be tested and let them serve as deacons. So uh, that's the first one. Now, what I want to do is I want to look at, because in this passage, we have these words translated as deacons. Now, if you go to the next slide for me, Gene, please, we will see, I think we will see, is it working? There you go. This is the first 10 of, I believe, uh, 20 or 30 places where uh, this same Greek word was used in the scriptures. And so... What we're looking at is, so in Matthew 20, 26, the Greek word diakonos was translated as minister. In Matthew 22, it was servants and so on. You have servant, 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 minister, 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 servant. Go on to the next slide, please. Here we have some more of this same word, Uh, ministers, ministers, all the way down through here, minister, minister. So do you get the point here that a deacon, the meaning of the word deacon, is more in line with minister and serving and servant? They ministered too, and there's all kinds of people who ministered and ministered. So we have here uh, when 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 um, what then is Apollos and what is Paul? They're ministers. Um, who who uh, talking about uh, Christ here? who made us sufficient as ministers of a new covenant, commending ourselves as ministers of God. We have places in here, uh, I, Paul was a minister. He's got brothers here that were ministering to him. Um, There's places here down at the bottom, if thou, Timothy, will be a good minister of Christ Jesus. And there's places in here. uh, Is there one more of those, Gene, or is that the last one? There you go. So then the last four places, I'm sorry, three, that the, this word is then translated deacons. Uh, one is in Philippians, uh, Paul's writing, uh, and he says, uh, "Paul, uh, Timothy and I, along with the bishops and the deacons. And then here in uh, chapter 3, verses 8 and 12, we have deacons again. So we have uh, everything f- from people being ministered to, people ministering, ministering unto. And so the idea is that we are attending to, waiting on, serving, giving. Um, These are the kind of things um, that that the idea of this word here in this passage is. Now, I also looked at the Thayer's uh, Greek lexicon And the definitions for this word, uh, universally is a servant of a king. So a a servant, a literal servant, uh, a deacon who is assigned the office of a deacon that cares for the poor and is in charge of and distributes money collected for their use. And then a waiter, one who serves food and drink. So if you remember back in Acts, I believe it's chapter six verse, the first few verses there, the, the Hellenistic, let's see, the, the Greek uh, widows were complaining because the Hellenistic Jews widows were getting all the attention and they were being overlooked in the serving of food and the apostles came and they said, okay, everybody come together. I want all the congregation. All right, here, you, come on in. Okay, we got this issue here. And so we are gonna spend our time studying the word and we're gonna spend our time in prayer and we really are, we are, that's our focus. We're not gonna be able to wait on tables. So you guys get amongst yourself and find, uh, I think it was six or seven people uh, that will be able to fill this role. And, and he gave specific instructions that, matter of fact, let me just flip over there real quick here. Acts chapter six. And he says, uh, therefore, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, that we may put in charge of this task. And we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry. And I was thinking back when I read this a while back, I was thinking, why would a deacon who's just a waiter, who's serving, why would they need to be full of the spirit and wisdom? Can't anybody wait on tables? Can't anybody help the poor? And the thought that came to me was, okay, I don't know how long most of you have been in church, but I've been in church now for about 61 years. And any time the subject of money comes up, ooh, boy, things get tense. Oh, why did you spend money or that? Or why didn't you spend money or that? Or we should have given more to this, or we should have given less to this. There's always an opinion about money. So if you look here in this passage of Acts, they were were taking food and they were feeding the widows. And usually you have to spend money to get food to feed the widows with. And so it was crucial that these people were full of wisdom and of the Holy Spirit so that they would be wise in how they spent this money. As, As here in this congregation, we have a finance committee, we have elders, you know, And Lord willing, we are full of wisdom and understanding because all of you, hopefully, are giving back to God the tithe of your income. And so it's not for us to be wasteful or unconsiderate or to use it in a selfish, self-centered, kind of self-motivating way. We need to have wisdom and understanding in how do we use these funds. When somebody comes and says... You know, I need, or they need, or for example, here, what, a couple weeks ago, a pharaoh came to us and he said, this this church in Kentucky was washed away and we saw the pictures. I mean, total devastation. Can we help? And the elders came together and we said, is this, we are supporting brothers and sisters in another place who have a great need. And we agreed to do that and we gave allotted money for that. And, and so the idea here is that as deacons who are responsible for these kind of things, we need to be full of, of wisdom and understanding. Okay, moving on now to the other word, I believe is the next slide. Um, 1247, and this one is diacaneo, so very close. Diakonos, diakoneo. And this one too means... Uh, to be an attendant. However, this one has a little bit different twist to it. So whereby the other one tended to be more of a servant, serving, uh, could be manual labor, but also in other ways. This uh, This one is to wait upon as a host or a friend. So if you had someone come over to your house and you're hosting, you're waiting on them, you're attending to them, you're meeting the needs that they have. That's one one definition. another would be like a teacher uh, who's who's in a class and is waiting on her students, waiting to help anyone who's who's in need um, and then also uh, here again is the office of a deacon, so someone who's been assigned by the church to fulfill a role of taking care of day to day things to helping the poor to whatever. Uh, the church decides to do. Now from Thayer's again, uh, universally, this word universally is understood to minister to one. So more of a one-on-one kind of a thing is, is a meaning of this word. Uh, to wait on tables, offer food and drink to guests. Uh, to minister in the way of supplying food or the necessities of life. So like our Kentucky thing where we sent clothes and we sent water and we sent tools to clean up and to rebuild the necessities of life Um, and in part of that is also collecting alms or raising the funds to be able to do those things Um, and then absolutely to take care of the poor the sick to serve as a deacon and the last one kind of struck me and I'm not uh, real up on grammar terms but this one says with the accusative, which I believe is a grammatical term uh, of the thing, to minister, and then it basically says, to attend to anything that may serve another's interest. So both of these words, slightly different, is serving, giving, helping others. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, this passage, we in our culture have set aside This is about deacons. But this is going to be my take on this right here, right now, and that is every single one of us as a Christian should be meeting these requirements. We should be giving, helping, serving, whatever needs done. We should be willing and able to do that. And then as we we go through this, we will come down to, well, let's just do it. So, so that's kind of the meaning. I, I wanted to give kind of the meaning of the word. What is the definition that's of this word that's used in Scripture that is translated deacon, deacon's office of deacon? So those are your two words. Okay, so now let's go back to our passage uh, to uh, verse 8. And I'm just going to kind of read through this and just kind of reiterate my point here. So deacons in like manner uh, must be grave. Now, I don't know about you all, that's kind of an older term you don't hear used as much anymore. Uh, Although I did have to have Kayla look it up on Google to find the meaning of it because I was having trouble. My my 1828 dictionary said a a hole that you put the body in when they're gone, so... uh, (laughs) anyway, uh, so serious or solemn so basically uh, to be a deacon one of the requirements would be to be serious about your faith to be be, it's a solemn thing, it's a serious thing it's something important to us that we take very seriously okay so a deacon must be grave, not double tongue, that means I'm over here talking to Sean and I tell him you know We put in that carpet the other day, and it was purple. And then I go over there to Ellie, and I know that she doesn't like purple, so I tell her, hey, Ellie, we put in new carpet the other day. It was green. It was your favorite color, (laughs) green. That's double-tongued. You're you're saying one thing to one person, and you're saying a different thing. Okay, so we need to be telling the truth. Whatever the truth is is what we tell, not whatever we think that person wants to hear, okay? So not double-tongued. Not given too much wine. I think that's a pretty pretty clear statement. Not given too much wine, so don't overdo it. Not greedy of filthy lucre. My wife kind of laughed at that term, but I believe that's referring to money. So um, basically, uh, and in some of the commentaries I read, it, it was like your motive should not be per- pursuing uh, unjust gain or... In other words, taking advantage of people to get yourself wealthy. Uh, We don't want to love money. We want to love God. But we do need money, so it's just not going overboard with that. Okay, moving on to verse 9. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. One of the commentators I read said, loving the truth. We love the truth so much that is our goal and our aim and our desire to live as close to our faith, what, our, what, what the scriptures spell out as the mystery of our faith. We love the truth so much that our conscience, we, we keep out, we don't think about things that lead us down the wrong road. We spend our time thinking about things that will lead us to to be more holy, to be more upright, to be closer in our relationship to God. So holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And then verse 10 here. And let these also first be proved, then let them serve as deacons, if they be blameless. So this is going to be my take on this, and this is one of those verses where you may get some varying opinions. My take on this is this. As Christians we live meeting all of these things that I just mentioned in this verse. And when we as a church body see, we recognize these qualities, these characteristics in those among us, they would be candidates for the church to say, hey, we want you to fill this office of a deacon because you are truly striving toward scripture the way scripture tells us to be living so when we see them we've proved them we've seen and experienced them in everyday life then we can welcome them into the church to serve in the office if you will of which i found it interesting um that in a couple spots they actually translated that 12 i think it's the 1247 word as office of a deacon um And just a little side note here. uh, Some of you know my son, our son Jeremy, and he has a master's degree in Greek and Hebrew exegesis. So, (laughs) kind of overwhelms me to think one of my kids has. But then you all know they've all surpassed me, so that's not uh, abnormal. But anyway, so I called him and I said, so out of these, about 60 times this word is in Scripture, why only four times is it translated deacon or office of a deacon? Because that didn't make sense to me. Everywhere else it's minister serve. And this was his answer. He said, when the Bible translators the people translating from the Greek or Latin or whatever they were translating from into English, when they got there, they didn't, they, he said they weren't really sure what Paul was getting at here. So instead of translating the word, they transliterated. In other words, they, they well, the dictionary says they anglicized, I think that's how you say it, the Greek word itself. So the diakono, diakonos, diakonos, word they basically just turned it into the english word of deacon so the the word there is not actually what a deacon is it's just an english form of the greek word deacon or diakonos but the meaning of that word the actually the definition is what we looked at earlier the minister the serving and so on um that's the meaning of that. So I just thought that was interesting that for whatever reason, the Bible translators, when they got to those verses in Timothy, they put deacon in there. And there's other places that depending on the translation you have, for example, there's a verse that refers to uh, Phoebe as a servant of a church. And some there's a couple versions that actually translate that as being... Phoebe being a deacon, others say servant. So that's my point that it depends on who you read, what their background was, where they're coming from, how they translated things. So I looked at probably eight or so translations and uh, this, actually this next verse uh, that we're about to get into, verse 11, my, American Standard says women in like manner, but you'll notice King James, ESV, NIV, the ones that are kind of predominant in our culture today all say they're wives, okay? So there's some, there's some question uh, because the Greek word itself can mean a woman, a man, or a couple, uh, it could be husband and wife, or it could be a woman, singular, or a man, singular. So in this translation that I'm using today, it says women in like manner must be grave, not slanderous, temperate, faithful, in all things. Kind of reiterating what he said about the deacons in in the other verse there. Some translations will say uh, their wives, the deacons' wives would be grave. And so there again, this is one where I'm going to say, go to the scriptures, pray and ask God to help you if you have a question about it or a problem with it. I personally think that, uh, men and women can serve, can be ministers, can give. Scripture's full of, there's quite a few verses in those that we listed there where there were women who ministered to Jesus as he was on earth. He, it says they followed him, they ministered to him, and met all of his needs. So the question is, do the women uh, fill the office of deacon as we've created here, and that I'm not going to get into because I don't have a good answer uh, for you. Um, So anyway, um, back to where it was. Um, Okay, so yeah, I did put the other translation in here. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers. This is the ESV, uh, but sober-minded and faithful in all things. So either way, my take on it is as Christians, we all serve, we all minister, we all Help wherever we can, whenever we can. God has given each of us abilities and gifts not all the same. Uh, So we help where we are able to. Okay, and moving on now to verse 12, as I see I'm quickly running out of time. Let deacons be husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. Uh, And let me just jump backwards for one second here to say one of the reasons I like the in verse 11 the word woman is be, or women is because grammatically if you go through 9, 10, 11 and 12 he says let deacons and then he stops for a second he says okay women do this and then he comes back and he says let deacons uh, and if you look at the Greek structure as well it seems to me to indicate that it not necessarily talking about wives although wives are included in women so uh, that's just my two cents there so back to twelve um, uh, husband of one wife uh, pretty straightforward, ruling your children well uh, and your house well and then you know as we know, uh, I believe it's uh, well he said in verse five in first Timothy he said, if you don't know how to manage your own house, how can you how can you run the church uh, I thought there was a commentator that I read I thought had an interesting opinion. I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but his thought, his take on this was the point here is not ruling your children well, it's that you have children because if you don't have children, how can you manage them to learn? And that was just his opinion. I'm not saying I agree with it. I just thought that I'd never heard anybody say that before. So just kind of jumped out at me. But anyway, basically as parents, as fathers, mothers, we learn, okay, I don't know about you guys. Anybody else here got nine or more kids? Just me? Okay. Uh, one of the biggest things I learned on, early on, probably about Jesse, <laughs> no, um, is that we are such selfish people until we get children and the Lord says, okay, we're going to deal with this now <laughs> because all of a sudden you don't get to do I've always just done this. I want to do this. I want to do... Wait a minute. You take care of the kids. I want to go play. She's saying, I'm not taking care of the kids. You take care of the kids. I need to go visit with my neighbor. You know. So we learn real fast, if you, if you uh, embrace the responsibility of being a parent, that you have to take care of those children. You have to teach them. You have to train them. And most of the time, that means giving up some of the things that you have always done and always enjoyed and this is my time and leave me alone kind of a thing. So uh, anyway, getting a little sidetracked there, but basically, raising your children well trains you for serving in the church and helping uh, to manage God's house. And then lastly, for they that have served well as deacons gain to themselves a good standing and a great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. And... I am really out of time here, and I'm going to basically say, Alan, if you want to start there next time, you can because I really didn't get into it very far on that verse. Uh, but I know that the next—that's kind of the end of the section. And I did—I uh, read it was very interesting because all the commentaries I read again had varying opinions on what this means. But basically, if we live our lives following Christ, serving Him, serving others. Uh, it gives us a boldness in our faith that we didn't have before because whenever you walk away from I am the center the world centers around me to focusing on those around you, you become more grateful, more thankful and you come closer to God our maker who made us to serve others and to serve him. So those are my thoughts on what is a deacon. I hope You got something out of that, and I pray that you did. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.